Hello and welcome to Book Shambles, in which a group of communists and an old man talk about books. The group of communists will be played by Josie Long. Oh, I'm going to attack this straw man. I'm furious and I'm going to resort to ad hominem attacks. That would not surprise me. <laughs> oh, I don't even know if you're a Leninist or a Stalinist. There's something Trotskyist in your eyes. You're like a, a young Peter Hitchens. I read this beautiful, I think it was a tweet, you know, I read this beautiful tweet that one of my friends who's a journalist wrote and it was just basically like... It would blow these people's minds how little all of us care about their ridiculous uh, terms, you know. How, like, how little of, like, Leninist and Stalinist stuff, you know, how little anything like that is relevant to the modern world or to young people who are interested in politics. Like, I think sometimes people are so obsessed with saying, like, they're Stalinist. It's like, well, obviously we're, obviously we're fucking not. But also... It's, it's stop being meaningless and outdated. It's not nineteen fifty one. Why did you have to swear, Josie? Oh, yeah. Which so, means yeah. maybe you are a stylist. And the person <laughs> saying Yeah, very excitingly, did any of you guess from that yeah? It was of course the famous yeah of the writer, author, matador historian yes. and broadcaster A.L. <laughs> Kennedy. Hello, A.L. Kennedy. Hello, probably an anarcho-syndicalist. We all know socialism ends in gulags. That's all it ever ends in. It's known for it. I'm um, sorry, I was leaning back there relaxedly because yeah, it feels like much. Sunday. It's not a relaxed kind of uh, show. So we're going to talk... Well, I'll start off actually this way. Mm. One of the, in fact, I think the first thing that I read of yours uh, was a non-fiction book. Most of your work is not... Uh, certainly most of your published work is not... Uh, or, or book it's work not is non-fiction, non-fiction, which is known as fiction. Uh, <laughs> no, I prefer not non-fiction. OK. It's much more fun. Why, why bother go, going, excuse me, do you have any not non-fiction here? Uh, the, uh, it's all over there, mate. Great, yeah, yeah. I don't want fiction. That sounds wishy-washy. I want not non-fiction. It's because uh, you're a boy and boys don't read that. That's made up. I'm not going to read that. I've got a limited lifespan. I don't want to read things about tanks. That's your general mail bar. Just well, sweeping. it is tanks true. That, uh, I, 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 do you know what, Josie? If I could count all the books of tanks I had, do you know how many hands I'd need? Oh, it's so many, they'd fill up a tank. No, it's yeah. far less than the number that I have now. <laughs> uh, so I could, in fact, afford you... to steal on t- at least two occasions, and on both times we found guilty in a country that cuts off the hands of thieves. Uh, and uh, I'd still have enough hands to count all my tank books. See, I bet you've got more tank books than me. You went through a phase, did you not, of buying up men's adventure war novels from charity shops? No. I feel like you went through a phase of buying up kind no, of like I bought adventure war men magazines, which are different <laughs> oh, well, because that's completely they're, different. they're not yeah. tank yeah. ones. They Normally they have an advert for, well, the one I've shown you, they have an advert for saying that meatpacking offers you um, security and wages. Very, and um, meat, free meat on a Sunday. The, uh, <laughs> not necessarily, that, that you might be, well, I, I, they didn't, Say whether you'd get benefits eating of... hot liver from the carcass, which was a big thing if you were a meat uh, a meat slaughterer. I'm Isn't sorry, that in what? Andy Warhol's Flesh for Frankenstein? No, it was there. It was a thing. It was uh, when you started off working in the slaughterhouse. That that was your sort of one of the many rites of passage. But yeah, it's still you know it's hot because it's in the middle of the body. You just yank it out and oh. there you go. Just to 
And why do you know this? About working you... in a slaughterhouse, the less I want to do it. Oh. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because when well, I remember when I first met you, you were seventeen, <laughs> and you said, "I'm going to use stand-up comedy <gasps> as a springboard to working in an abattoir." Robin, and yet now, Robin Ince, I have a bone to pick with you because what have I done? Um, yesterday I was giving them stuff to give to the stand-up archive at the University of Kent, which is like it, it, it is ridiculous to me that anyone would care enough to take yeah. anything I'd done. But it was a thrill too because yeah. I was like, I can't believe anyone. Can but they told me they'd been to see you and you had given them a prop that I'd made I asked and given you. you. I said, and can I give the puppets that you made? And you said yes. Oh, yeah, I probably did. And my yeah, so there we are. I've got a bone to pick with you. You asked permission for a thing and I said yes. And then you did it, didn't and, you? And my fanzines. And it made me think, oh... Robin wants to erase all trace of our partnership and work together and just put it in the archive. No, quite. The, wouldn't you say <laughs> that placing something in an archive is saying, here are a number of things that I must not use for kindling. <laughs> That's the way I see it. Uh, Stalin, oh. Stalinist paranoia, it's a typical <laughs> yeah. of, Denounce. That, of that mindset. I no, guess. that's why I get it, but it's because oh. I found, and I, got, I rang you because I said I found all, Josie used to do a lovely fanzine called uh, Drawing Moustaches in Magazines Monthly. Um, Moustaches, Stalin, see? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's an obsession. <laughs> the um, but it was so I and I thought and those lovely puppets that you used and then some of the artwork for cartoons. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about matadors, and okay. because as you started off by talking about eating hot liver from the carcass of a beast, mm. let's now get you into more trouble by misrepresenting why you wrote a book about bullfighting. Oh yes. So you yes, wrote this yes. was what probably over ten years ago, wasn't it? Now it's quite a while back on bullfighting. Oh, maybe even more. Yeah, I was originally asked to do a book about fencing which I had done, and then the editor, because this is how things happen in the real world, said, I had a dream about you and bullfighting, you have to do a bullfighting book. Oh. And I knew nothing about it, but I did know that both sides were very sort of calcified, and it was just going, no, 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 you're even, no, no, no. And actually, it's, uh, you know, I don't think it's a wonderful thing to do, but there are kind of shades of grey and reasons, and it's, it's, it's a way of exploring how people act things out and how you could have a Republican bullfights and how you could have a repressive fascistic bullfight and and why two crowds could see in it um, completely different things and why people look at this thing where a guy, you know, obviously an animal is very, 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 very likely losing its life in a very unpleasant way over 15, 20 minutes, Um, but also a guy could die. So it's at the edge of drama where people die or dying that people find dramatic uh, which is kind of a hangover from obviously it used to happen a bit more often so it was interesting uh, and weird and it uh, and I was very ill at the time uh, how did you go about researching it I had to go to Spain. I had to learn enough bullfighty Spanish, which is slightly different from Spanish Spanish. But, you know, I had to have enough Spanish to sort of get around and, as a British person, try and find people who would even talk to me about it because it's so behind walls. There's the people who love killing things and there's the people who, um, in a way not really helping the cause of not bullfighting because they'll say things like, oh, the, you know, the matador's cape has uh, chloroform on it, which I can't quite see how that would help anybody. Um, and obviously bullfighting is, does get nobbled. You know, it's a big money sport, and like all big money sports, it's it's bent. Um, but it's bent in specific ways, and it's not difficult to find out what those ways are and, and spraying chloroform 
round isn't one of the ways. Um, so at least research the thing, and if at the end of the research you still hate it, then you can hate it in a kind of informed way. But it's not that you're watching it in an audience full of monsters who are paying for blood. Um, although in some cases some people are getting that out of it, or in some cases some people are, you know, there are people who support the bull. There are people who get turned on, but, you know, there's a whole audience out there, and there isn't Twitter for bullfighting as far as I know, so it's probably not quite as um, revealed as it would be. But uh, it was, you know, it was fascinating. People were very nice to me. Uh, Spain was very nice to me. I was very ill. I'd got a herniated disc. I was on monster drugs, which is why I'm being slightly vague about it because most of it I don't remember. Yeah, it was very, very, very odd. And people kept getting horribly injured, which is not quite what normally happens. Uh, It seemed every time I set foot in a a bull ring, somebody would get hideously gored and and dragged out with red trousers. Um, And obviously you can die because you're... Where, where, if the bull shakes its head as you're sort of reaching over its head with your sword, I'm illustrating with my arm in a way that works very well on radio. Um, they're most likely to catch you in your uh, inner thigh. So, you know, you, if if it hits the artery, you're toast. And they have they have an operating theatre right there, um, which specialises in filthy. Uh, complicated stab wounds in inner thighs because um, the, the ball moves its head round but the horn is, you know, it's a nightmare. Um, but even so, you know, uh, it, it, it was very strange to see something dying. But I eat meat, you know. I eat meat, I haven't stopped eating meat. I sort of can't seem to stop eating meat. Um, it's not wonderful being in a slaughterhouse, which I actually tried to do while I was writing the book. I said, can I... I kept phoning up and saying, can I come to a slaughterhouse? No slaughterhouse would let me. I wow, might, interesting. Uh, maybe I, if, if I tried uh, for a Spanish slaughterhouse, but no UK slaughterhouse would, would allow me to see, because it's such a live issue about, yeah. you know, cruelty and cleanliness and all of the things around eating living creatures. But... Um, yeah, it was interesting being in the crowd. You'd be, you know, Americans would come and think it was some kind of rodeo sometimes, and you'd hear them going, "Oh my God, it's dying!" It's like, well, I don't know if the bull actually enjoys rodeo riding either, and I don't think he enjoys being hamburger, and I don't think your insistence on eating eighteen ounce steaks is is doing any good, and I don't think your insistence on tearing up rainforests and filling it with cows is wonderful, and actually we're all killing ourselves and should probably be out there being stabbed by the picador instead but hey we're crazy people see i could never get involved ferdinand the bull was a it was oh, one my mum yes. had that ferdinand yes. the bull lovely uh pacifist danny k no you're probably thinking of tommy Steele's song bull. little yeah, white bull that's what yeah. I I wrote a lovely. I wrote. I, I read a. Uh, that's how I, I always presume that everything <laughs> that I've read, I've actually written afterwards. <laughs> that by having that delusion, <laughs> it allows me to think <laughs> I've a tremendous level of achievement. I wrote a lovely play about two star-crossed lovers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then there was another one I did. There were four people in, it, but the beginning is just two men waiting around. And uh, for a while, I worked under the name Harold Pinter as Robin was dragged out from the studio. Um, the, uh, but there was Ferd- Ferdinand, who was the pacifist bull, wasn't he? Who yeah. would not. Uh, my mum had that book. Which had, what? 
lovely book. It was it was a children's book from oh, probably the forties. Okay. Uh, it has a picture on the front, I think, of Ferdinand with a chewing a, a flower, and yeah. then Tommy Steele was just there was I was reading a, a book of um, Colin McInnes who wrote uh, Absolute Beginners, probably most famously, um, mm. and he used to write for these well these magazines which it turned out were I think supported by the CIA Encounter magazine hey well uh, you know I, I think was uh, an arts magazine but that, uh, and uh, he wrote all about the misunderstandings about the brilliance of Tommy Steele uh, and and the rise of the teenager anyway that's a different thing if you'd like to read that that's uh, called what's it called uh, England Half English I think it's called wow well, okay. I got given that book it's yeah Colin McKinnon's selection of his essays Yes, and I haven't yet read it. Oh, well, some of them were very good, Josie. Brilliant. So, um, ah. mm. uh, we won't go further into the uh, Matador stuff because it ended up being bleaker than we'd hoped for an opening uh, <laughs> monologue. Um, so, you comes up so often. brought it? your books. Well, in fact, well, yeah. no, do you know what? On bleakness, I think this is... I will go back to that, actually, because I think it's very interesting, is that your introduction, if you don't mind going there, in on bullfighting. Oh, on bullfighting, yeah. Which is... Something yeah. that I've talked about a lot because you you talk about a moment of coming close to well killing yourself. That would be the phrase. Uh, yeah, it was a very very strange time. I was uh, you know I'd had a relationship blow up on me. My grandfather, who was de facto my uh, like my dad, died. Sorry, um, for people who've had that happen. Um, so it wasn't great, and I just I'd had excruciating backache because of sort of misdiagnosis and muscle wasting and things um, for I think at that point 10 years and it looked as if it wasn't going to get better it looked as if I would be in, be in excruciating pain and frankly in a really bad mood for the rest of my life so people who met me only during that phase I apologise <laughs> because just sitting in the cab to get to a gig or whatever I, I would just want to kill people if it went over a little bump um and yeah, I just sort of that that was one of the options, but only for a very specific time. But then, if you're looking at a you know a spectacle that's 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 all about death and it's got all you know Catholicism and sacrifice and martyrdom and all, and obviously the bull was sort of Satan, and you were you know it's it's symbolism, 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 and looking at how people plug into that stuff um, with all kinds of belief systems, and then the you know. The posh bullfighter is the bullfighter on the on the the who who's on a horse. That's the uh, you know the gentry because you can afford a horse. If you're on your feet, you're the common man, and you're you're triumphing over the forces of of life. So it became very left wing, and they were left wing fundraising bull, bullfights. And then you had the idea that there's the little man on the ground, but he is crushed by circumstance, and the bull comes in and looks magnificent and alive and fantastic. And yeah, you know, look what happens. Life is. You know, there's that sort of everybody's a bastard bit of, you know, that's why we have to be strict and nobody's allowed to do anything and we wear fascist hats and we shoot people because then they won't get above themselves. So it's all this sort of layers of stuff. But I thought, well, if people, you know, if I'm if I'm reporting on somebody that's about somebody that's that's the, uh, who's going to die, I've got to talk about that. I don't want to interview anybody because I don't want to freak them out because if I, you know, if I ask the wrong question, I've... <laughs> These people are very immensely superstitious, unsurprisingly, mm. like everybody else who does a very risky job. I don't want to think in any way that anything I ever say would freak somebody out. And, I mean, they get interviewed, but I thought, I'm not doing that. Um, and I also have to sort of bring to the table what I've got, which is that I'm in excruciating pain, slightly balmy, on monster drugs, um, which are no fun because <laughs> they're not even getting me to normal. 
Spanish isn't a language that I feel at home in. Josie looks so upset right now. She's no, deeply compassionate so socialist. It's... Compassionate. She is the face of compassionate mm. socialism that's looking at me. <laughs> I always just see her as a sulky Stalinist. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean... It's interesting set of it was really bizarre, into. and you sort of, you know, you did what you do if 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 you work in the arts, which is, you know, I have lemons, I will make lemonade. You know, it's like I'll work it in. I had a big fight with my gentleman of choice, and at the end of it, it was sort of like some of those lines were quite good. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, we'll work it in. That's yeah. the classic. Like, I'll we'll use that. Yeah, <laughs> basically, it's like yeah, we'll do it. But I mean, everybody is sort of doing that, and it's and you know, and it can be very, very cynical. And, and if you're pinching somebody else's five minutes, then that's horrible. But you know, it can be well sod it. We all die in the end, and life isn't fantastic. But at least we can make stuff. And maybe one other person, if not more, hopefully, would quite like the stuff. Because that's about, you know, all we're going to get a chance to do. But also, even if no one else really likes it, I've been thinking recently, especially going through all my everything I've ever made, and it feeling like, wow, you can create these possessions for yourself that are so mm. valuable and delightful. And you've made something that has immeasurable value to you, and it gives you such worth that no one can take from you. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. oh my God. It's yeah, so no, good. I think that, yeah, creating anything, you don't have to be a professional artist, professional writer. No, of course to turn to me in general. But the, so the reason that I, I brought this is because it's a story that I've often talked about and I don't want to screw it up and get it wrong, which was, mm. and one of the reasons I brought it up was when I was out in Adelaide last year, uh, one of the people who was helping out with the gig that I was doing was, you know when you meet someone who is nothing like how they first appear to you huh? and everything you find out about them mm. is interesting. And this person who was a former head teacher and mm. she was she was brilliant very passionate very interested person and uh, we're having a drink after the gig having a lovely time and she just without any sense of of melancholy or look at me she's telling me things about her life and she mm. tells me that her um, daughter um, killed herself right. and she then said she said you comics right she said you need to do more stuff about that she said, because yeah. she wants, she said, yeah, yeah. you know, get it out then. I said, well, I know George Carlin's done some stuff. So she said, well, just, you know, it's yeah, one of those. Yeah. And the reason that yeah, I bring yeah. that up is partly because you, it's such a memorable way that you write about the fact that as you, well, it's all down to the socks, basically, isn't it? Uh, the that that, that you looked at your feet and well. you looked at your socks <laughs> and you couldn't work out whether you should place before, you know, going doing it you couldn't work out whether to do you take your socks off or put shoes on uh there was the, the, there was a shoes there was a shoes thing if i'm doing something important i always have bare feet um there was a should i wear clothes thing and then you're thinking oh god they're gonna find me aren't they um and then i mean the thing that break the thing is you you want something to break your your train of thought because um, you've locked in a little loop, a sort of I mean, really a death spiral. Um, and they started playing all for Mar uh, Mary's Wedding, which is possibly the most hateful Scottish folk song in the world. That we I don't know how that goes. How does that go? Step gaily on we go. Oh, I do know how it goes. Stop it now. Yes, yes. Hideous. I was just thinking that if that that, that very moment, that, you know, yes. if people are listening makes to this you now... Go, I can't is... die to that. That's mm. awful. That's I, ridiculous. has become funny because the, the most tragic things are always a fag paper away from being hilarious. Mm. And it just crossed the line to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop out of a window listening to that shit that I hated when I was at school that made me ashamed to be Scottish or a woman or to know anybody called Mary <laughs> or to have an interest in music. Um, if I make me want to kill myself. Um, <laughs> I, I can't do it now. Um, I wonder what's going to be next. 
Oh, I don't like this one either. No. Oh, no. I don't. I like some of Don McLean, but not this one. Yeah. Oh, what are they doing next? It's like this oh. weird playlist. Oh, in pursuit of my favourite waste of time. I'm not, not, not going to that. It reminds me of, I read a really good comic online. I can't remember what it was now. But it was about this guy trying to explain his depression and what stirred him out of it. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit where he's lying on the floor and he looks under the fridge. And he's sort of really, really just at the end, he's like, this is it for me and he lies on the floor he looks at the fridge and he can see a little bit of sweet corn under the fridge ah, and he just yeah, finds it yeah. so absurd that yeah. there's a bit of sweet corn under the fridge that like how did that get there why is it still it's, there I can't die need. knowing there's a bit of sweet corn under the fridge it's what you need and I mean then of course you get the real depression which you know I bought, I bought a bit of uh, Robert Louis Stevenson and I mean he, he writes a beautiful uh, in, a, in a short story one of the long late short stories where this guy's trying to drown himself because he's in this impossible position on this island run by a maniac along strict Thatcherite lines so everybody's dying (laughs) for money Um, and he tries to drown himself and he gets to the point where he can't he suddenly discovers that he's not a person who can at that particular time let go and in some way drown rather than swim and there's that huge overwhelming oh god I've got to keep doing this then sod it um which is very, and reading that again, you thought, oh God, yeah, I kind of think that you sort of know about that. Because, but I mean, Stevenson, you know, he'd kind of been everywhere and done everything, particularly by that point. Um, and, you know, a good hearted guy. Like, I don't know that much about his life. Oh, he was fantastic. He, you know, uh, he was ill quite a lot. Um, like, you know, I had the same thing. Lot, lots of writers, you know, stayed at, at home in the land of counterpane, making shit up. Um, yeah. And he fell in love with somebody who at that is called, sadly for many arts documentaries, called Fanny. Um, <laughs> get it out and then we'll Josie, <laughs> this is meant to be a BBC Four style thing. I don't think we need your giggling. Thank you. Yeah. If you are called <laughs> Fanny or Dick, yeah. or like in Mansfield Park, both of those, yeah. you're, there are going to be some children giggling and, and you're going to have to deal with that. And technically, Robert, Bobby... Booby, and, <laughs> it's like Booby and Fanny for crying out loud. It's a disaster. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't know why we brought up Robert Louis Stevenson. I knew it would get blue. I know it's all gone wrong. Um, but he fell in love with a woman who was had a. She was in a sort of unhappy marriage, and it took a while for her to get out of it. And she was a bit oh maybe oh maybe not. And and his his books get even travels with a donkey. Uh, reading between the lines, he's actually writing it. He met her during travelling with a donkey. Uh, oh no, travels across France, but he's writing travels with a donkey, having met her, sort of writing between the lines through her. So all the bits that aren't very good, he's trying to talk to one specific person who isn't you. Wow. Uh, uh, and he had he had uh, you know TB, and he was um, he looked sexy as hell actually, but quite lean and wiry. Uh, and obviously he wrote Treasure Island, and then he ended up travelling the world. He went across, obviously by boat to New York, went by train all across America, um, ran the Pacific Rim, and he he ended up dying in uh, um, Samoa. Uh, but when he got to Samoa, he really saw, which you can see in his work, things like Jekyll and Hyde. You know what's really good, what's really bad. Um, uses fantastic little. It's still very penetrating and wise phrases like empty as a church. Um, And he just, you know, just throws it out and keeps going. It's just a sentence. Oh, look, look, a little metaphor. Um, Similarly. So, yeah, he ended up in Samoa and he, he saw literally, actually, factually at that point 
the drunken, corrupt, libidinous, real face of the cutting edge of the British Empire and that it was ruining Samoa. And he became um, Tusitala. They gave him a name, uh, a Samoan name, and he got roads built for them. And his late short stories initially were uh, uh, censored. <clears throat> this could all be slightly wrong, but I think it's all right. Um, he he got uh, he got censored because you know he had a f- famous opening of one short story, which was basically the British Empire <laughs> spreading sexual disease across the world. <laughs> and which, of course, forty forty five percent of the British public disagree with. Yes, <laughs> yes, oh because uh, because they're told something else. You know, mm. they're not. Uh, you know, people aren't evil and wrong if they have weird opinions. No, you just don't have time to catch up and you don't realise that you are being misinformed and you don't necessarily know where you would go to be better informed. And, and, it, and it would be horrible to be in the, uh, you know, the preceding Reich before the third one and to have killed loads and loads of people if you believe in, in you know, communal guilt. Wouldn't it be awful if we were one of those countries who'd done terrible things like massacring people just because we thought they weren't people? Oh, we are. Oh, dear. So do you that's think that's... It is something that... Sorry, it is something that we collectively have never dealt with in the way that obviously Germany mm. was kind of forced to. And If you look, we never lost. We just faded and then got bought by the Americans uh, after World War Two. So, yeah, we've never had to turn... You know, losing is much more educational, obviously, always. Um, we, we, we've, we never learned. We imported, a, I think, an entire SS regiment because they were going to be good breeding stock. I don't know. I'll tell you that that's that's a very good thinking of importing thing the uh, uh, book Paperclip Conspiracy by mm, Tom Bauer yeah. who who then has gone on Same to write books about Simon Cowell and things like that. Yeah. It's a great pity because Paperclip Conspiracy is all about. I think it was turned into a documentary as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's Paperclip, how yeah. to get hold of the Nazis who've got uh, wisdom that we want to use. So famously, in fact, Helen Keane who did that wonderful show, it is rocket She's science. She's not a Nazi. The, uh, <laughs> no. She, uh, um, yeah, she is actually. She's much older than you imagine. They, <laughs> yeah. pop, they popped a yeah. paperclip on top of her Edinburgh Fringe review and that allowed her to come into the country. No, she was... It's basically that it was as simple as placing a paperclip, wasn't it, on the records? Yeah. And, and when it arrived, it meant when the records were typed up, you would, instead of having an ardent Nazi, you would just add the word not... Yeah. An ardent Nazi, yeah. and so there there are people uh, involved in. I'm trying to remember now is the that name. True, or yeah, is yeah, that yeah, the, the no, main no. guy in Ferner, terms of Werner von Braun, who, Werner von Braun, yeah, who's, the v, who would the v pop weapons. up on Disney time. Yeah, the, the V weapons. It was it was your, it was a working workable rocket weapon. It 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 absolutely existed on the it blood of slave labourers living in 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 nothing. Yeah. Um, which Experiments is, done on people for what would happen when you went into, you know, but yeah, it's, I'm it's aghast a ghast that I don't you know, know about this. Hi, yeah, high altitude, low altitude tolerance to let's just do this weird shit to this person because oh, they're not God. a person. Um, but yeah, uh, slightly in Japan as well, which is even more quiet. Um, yeah, because people were doing hideously evil experiments. But I mean, then we've we've killed British servicemen doing hideously evil experiments to them ourselves. I would highly recommend and this is another one in terms of high I, I used to be and I, I haven't read it if stuff read did you ever read any Philip Ridley? 
Uh, I'm crap at titles. Philip really wrote a collection of short stories <laughs> called Flamingos in Orbit, uh, The Eyes of Mr. Know. Fury, which was when oh, those I've penguins that came that. out. And yeah, one yeah. of my favourite films uh, is a film called uh, The Reflecting Skin, which is yes, all about yes, yes, uh, Viggo yes. Mortensen's in it and Lindsay Duncan. How old is and it? And 1991. You always forget that Viggo Mortensen is actually yeah. quite old. Yeah. The two things you forget about him is his love of farms and how old he is. I do. Great on horses as well. Oh, He's a bet. real horseman. But oh, he, it, reflecting skin is part. Of the, it's this great plot where uh, young boy's uh, brother comes back. It's only part of a quite an intricate, mm. fascinating plot set in the kind of wheat belts. Mm-hmm. Comes back from nuclear testing. Uh, the woman who lives up the road, who's a widow and looks a little bit similar to uh, a woman on the cover of a book Shot about right vampires, uh, um, she uh, starts a relationship with this man and he starts to get weaker and his hair starts falling out, etc. And so his because brother made of thinks he's a vampire. Oh, She's a vampire, yeah. rather. Yeah, but, of yeah. course, it's actually that he's having the, the effects of nuclear testing. Anyway, oh, the reflecting yeah, skin. Yeah. We should get to your first book, which oh, is, as you book. were talking about Robert yeah. Louis Stevenson, which book did you, you bring of Robert Louis Stevenson? Uh, well, I bought a book of... Um, I mean, he's one of these people who's an example to writers because he also did stuff. Like, I didn't bring Chekhov because Chekhov is the big ghost that's always everywhere. Um, this is, this is uh, an anthology of literary and critical essays, which always makes you think, mmm, yummy. But he's he's great because there's there's a lovely one in here which which you could I think misread by saying by thinking well if there's passion in it you'll get away with anything and you'd end up with a Hillary Ben speech instead of a Tony Ben speech. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, he's saying if your if if your if your heart's in it and the reader can feel that it's true, they will forgive technical error because you're trying to say something passionately. That's that's what's in your heart oh, to yeah, say. Um, and he's great about critics, and you know he's a working man of literature. His his love letters are also lovely to Fanny. Um, his you know his letters to the uh, boy that he wrote Treasure Island for. I mean, he ended up going round the South Seas in a boat. I mean, he was gravely ill for while being an adventurer for year after year after year, and died quite young. I think forty. 45, 46. Yeah, I was thinking he was about the same age as Edgar Allan Poe, wasn't he, when he died? Yeah. Both of them, I always imagine, would have had very similar sallow skin. Huh. Yeah. Images of them, the... Uh, well, um, there's a... St- well, I mean, actually, that photograph, he always looks, you know, pretty cadaverous. Um, but there's a, there's a lovely statue of him in the Kelvin Grove Museum in his sort of explorer boots, big leather, sort of, with built-in putties, explorer boots, and draping linen and his kind of general custer style moustache goatee combo yeah. and he what just a life well lived as well like, so no much. he really he really went for it and he did find the love of his life except the love of his life obviously a little bit dodgy and he actually ended up living with his mum and the love of his life which probably got quite complicated um but fanny then reinvented him uh, uh, as much loved children's author and you know she famously tried to destroy Jekyll and Hyde and make it not happen at all and he you know she rejigged and suppressed any other thought of him so he was you know versus for children and treasure island and that's it that's sort of the fruit of her wow. remodeling him so that he wasn't um I bet she really bought the him man really that he smart was smart clothes as well made him do his top button up yeah and, yeah, yeah. But he's a friend of mine's been to his house on Samoa and brought me back the guidebook that just made me cry with 
wanting to be there. You know, it's a beautiful study. It's the study that you, you know, it's 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 the place where somebody whose work you like clearly worked, yes. and, the, and the colours are right. And I can imagine as well the know, view would yeah. be so conducive to sort yeah. of being able to get on this. Uh, What's your study like? Have it's. Study, I have a study. It's got a view. I'm on Telegraph Hill, so it looks out across the whole of London. Um, so you can see the pollution slowly dissolving <laughs> the children. Nice, um, nice. Lovely sunsets. It's always what you get a good sunset with pollution. Um, <laughs> so it's quite nice. And I've got ravens that that hop around in the in the back of the uh, in the garden. Uh, You're on Telegraph Hill, is South East London, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So it's quite green. Uh, I'm actually. I'm, I'm on a bomb site. Uh, which is a bit weird. I'm in, I'm in a house that's been put on a house, put on a position where, you know, because if, if they've got it wrong for bombing the docks, they would bomb. So you can still see because it was the poor area and it's only just kind of getting yeah. really interfered with. You can see still where the bombs... Where the gaps were. Yeah. South can, London especially is good for that. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You'd be walking along because so much of it is still terraces and then you can just be like, oh, gap. Yeah, yeah, and some of the gaps are still gaps, and some of them parks, and some of them, and obviously just down the road is where the biggest V two landed. It was a branch of Woolworths at lunchtime, and wow. killed. Where was that? Uh, New New Cross Road. Woolworths uh, killed loads of women and children. Um, I think ninety or so. so There's the biggest V two raid, and there's, there's a little tiny plaque, but you wouldn't really know it was there. I went to, there used to be a museum in Orpington that the uh, uh, Conservative Council in their wisdom has uh, decanted to a small area in a different library in a different town. But there used to be a museum yeah, in the oldest, yeah, yeah, there used to be a museum in the oldest building in Orpington, which is a thousand years old, the Priory Building, which they are selling off, but may still become a asset of community Private value. Most <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> of become an asset of community value. It's it's in talks. Anyway, sorry, really boring. But um Is it lateral they, apartments? I've never understood lateral oh, apartments. God. Yeah, hopefully Aren't it's not gonna turn into luxury lateral. flats. But anyway it is. It is. the um in the museum they used to have this big map of all the places that Orpington and the surrounding area have been bombed. You can get it online. Fascinating. You can get bombing bombing maps. They're not all together up to date. Um and I reckon... But that makes it seem like there's recently been bombs. Yeah, no, well, you never know. Um, but, yeah, they, 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 they've got some... It's one of the nicest things, but I hate going into uh, Westminster Abbey because it's such an establishment church, other than to dance up and down on um, the Duke of Cumberland's uh, resting place. I'm sorry to be stupid. Why don't I know what the Duke of Cumberland did? He was very un- he uh, he basically just executed um, Highland soldiers rather than taking them prisoner. And oh. there was a bit of raping. I mean, not personally by him, but you know, it was kind of free. sanctioned. Open season on you know the usual package of things: murder everybody, rape the women, terrorise. That's what always you do. It's quite effective. For suppressing people so now you mentioned Kelvin Grove Art Gallery by the way and we should mention if we won't have time mm. to talk about it because we're running out of time already but Kelvin Grove Art Gallery is there's an interesting Wonderful. story about it being back to front uh, uh, allegedly not true and that, and that the man killed himself because oh my upside God. down don't say any more don't say any more I want them to look it up this yeah, is yeah. so uh, classic though that is a classic thing about architecture yeah. any statue well you know the person who designed that well, they were so upset. They were so upset. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's they a great, didn't. No, 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 but Architects we don't know. We don't know. It's, it's a the great Hollywood story. model, though. 
it's the Hollywood model. It's like it's like on the one hand, yeah, Dead Poets Society quite inspiring. I was working with with the youth at that time, and they were all yeah, seize the day. But equally, you know, it's a very small class size, like twenty, thirty people. One of them has to discover that they're homosexual and kill themselves. It's like that. There's that rate of attrition in being <laughs> exposed to the arts. It's like no, largely. I mean, yes, it might make you discover who you are and who you are might be gay, but you know, it's not got that high death toll that you know. But the, that's that's, that's the I model. Think architecture doesn't have that higher death toll. Mm. Otherwise, there'd be no architects anywhere. Well, like all let of these the that bridge. listeners yeah. look it up and find out if Kelvin Groves back to front or not. The yeah. art gallery there. But this is uh, the Robert Louis Stevenson thing. Just read the Child's Play, which is the first uh, essay yeah. that's in here. There, the regret we have for our childhood is not wholly justifiable. So much a man may lie down without fear of public ribaldry. For although we shake our heads over the change, we are not unconscious of the manifold advantages of our new state. We lose in generous what we lose in generous impulse. We more than gain in the habit of generously watching others, and the capacity to enjoy Shakespeare may balance out a lost <laughs> aptitude for playing at soldiers. Terror is, terror is gone out of our lives. Moreover, we no longer see the devil in the bed curtains, nor lie awake to listen to the wind. Yeah. Not yes, necessarily. Um, yeah. So we've and, got and four he, minutes to get through your other uh, oh, seven books. Seven books. Well, so, let's see what uh, we get through. I saw you had Raymond Carver. I love Raymond Carver. Yeah, we're not talking about Raymond Carver. Oh, and you're right. Raymond Carver. Yeah, you always do Raymond Carver. Well, I, I would do. I've got the ABC of Men's Fashion by Hardy Amy's by. It's been reissued um, simply because all of the good jobs. You know, you go. Oh well, suits belong to posh people. Suits suits make you look good. Somebody should go into Angel Town and bring German Street suits to people. Then do your job interview. I read a really interesting article about um, me- Congolese dandies, how it's a really... Oh, yes. Um, uh, yes, yes, yes. And I've always found it really interesting, this idea of, like, dre- yeah, exactly. Dressed like you you are somebody. And, and it's the big difference between New York and Chicago, because in New York, like, a, uh, it's really depressing. A, a black guy, you know, I'm a white woman wandering around. A black guy will not, even if I speak directly and say hello, will not make my, uh, will not make eye contact in case I will then kick up and go, looked at me, I feel threatened. In Chicago, people are dressed fantastically in like a peach suit and people look you in the eye and call you by name and want to know your name so they can call you by name because it's a different sort of power balance. Um, but you've also got, you know, the loss of, you know, postman. You knew the post office was toast because postmen started looking as if they worked in Burger King. You knew that the railway lines were toast because... If you think of that, uni- people had uniforms, and whatever you think about uniforms, there were uniforms that gave you authority. And if you had a trade, there was a thing that you wore to do your trade, and you had the dignity of your trade. Everybody now looks as if they might have been just released from prison where you also don't have a uniform that gives you dignity, and you have to pay extra for underwear that fits. You've lost clothing. And I mean, I, you know, I won't, you know, I admit I'm a suit fetishist. I love a man in a suit. But it's, it tells you a lot. And people, you know, it tells you a lot about the Houses of Parliament. Cheap, bloody, middle management, mm. mediocrity. You know, they look like what they are. People who can't even use the ridiculous money that they have to buy a good suit. But that's why he liked Schrodinger most as a physicist. Because <laughs> he was a dandy. Dapper. Yeah, he was a dandy. Dapper dandy, Schrodinger. It's not all equations around his way. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. I feel really guilty to bring the tone back to like, yes, yes, but let's talk about me and my life because I was thinking yeah. a lot about stand-up and about the fact that oh, yeah. I still don't dress up. Yeah, I yeah. don't dress up to go on stage and that's partly that's because vibe, yeah. I like to represent... Uh, especially women Stalin. who do not like... <laughs> it's the cuddly face I, of Stalin. I'm not very interested in really making an effort in my appearance. Mm. I like mm. I, I like 
getting on with it and getting involved and being scrappy or whatever. But I, I really do... Um, I've been thinking a lot about the fact that I see some friends of mine now putting on a suit, putting on a special thing to go on stage and ah, what effect that creates and, and how that can be good and interesting. No, but that can be good and interesting Steve, and cool. With, with and Steve like, Martin, yeah, because he would turn up looking like sort of 1950s middle management and then he would go insane. Huh. And it was beautiful because he thought about it because he was a clever man and he was yeah. like a proper And comic. it's another thing to think about, definitely, the, eff- yeah. the effect that you oh, have no, on people. It took me about then. 10 years to yeah. realise that people watching me in the audience could see more than basically my mouth and eyes. Yeah, For yeah. ages I was like, well, oh, we what We may well be dealing with it in the next podcast oh, yeah. and removing yeah. the eyes bit of it as well. <laughs> yeah. um, this is, uh, well, I, th- I think it's an interesting thing, which is that I think the idea of at least being very aware mm. of what you look like on stage. Now, that awareness might be you're wearing one of your homemade T-shirts, because when you go on in a homemade T-shirt or something like that, that does express what you are. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the same way, there was a certain mm. point where I went, right, it's black, you know, black cardigan, it's a check shirt, and this is how I dress yeah. for everything. This is what I, you know, it's, it's yeah. my... But your, I would never find a dirty... Period always made me think of Count Yorga Vampire. Obviously, I, I, I like being that, Count Yorga Vampire, but that that was <laughs> see the ruffle front though was only for specific shows. For the um, book club shows, I would wear a pink ruffled shirt that was meant to be something ridiculous, and I also uh, did love that. It's a crimply and drip dry, by the way. Yeah. By the way, just ABC of Men's Fashions, and uh, it, it this was reprinted by VNA, uh, and it's Hardy Amos, and it's got cashmere casual wear, cavalry twill, centre vent, chalk stripe, chamois, charcoal brown, charcoal grey, check Chelsea boot, chest Chesterfield, Cheviot tweed. Chuck a boot, city dress, cleaning, clip on top. It's got everything. No, it's got everything. I want to say, I read, a really the name int- of everything. I read a really interesting article as well to sort of. I don't know whether it's a counterpoint to what you're saying, but whether it's much of the same thing. But it was a. It was maybe it was on BuzzFeed. It was about young men in America who felt that they had been forced into wearing suits because of the way that they're judged yeah, and how stressful yeah. and difficult that was for them because they felt yeah. like if I just it. dress casually yeah, yeah. I am being judged in this criminal manner so I'm forced into dressing in a way that isn't me and that isn't that and it's yeah, yeah. it's it is an interesting thing to think about isn't I it I think because, it's like have you put mm. any thought into it you know Einstein. But that's what I'm saying. I'm talking about. No, but that, that to me is what it comes people... down to. To me is when you some people you think they've only done put those on because it meant they haven't even had to think about how to yeah. do up. A oh yeah, sure. Button. That's slightly different. Yeah. So, to what I'm talking about. Uh, like we've run thought. out of time. So let's go ah. very quickly through the book. Very that we didn't quickly. Deal with. Uh, Absolute Magic, which is a sort of privately published book by Darren Brown, but it's got a fascinating essay. You know. What? He's a smart, smart man, it's and there's got a, a secret private book. There's an essay. He's got two, but they, it's it's primarily for for magicians. But there's an essay about, in about art in it, and the idea within the magic circle, as it were, haha. Uh, thaumaturgy is the working of wonders. Thaumaturgy. And thaumaturgy has become just a a, a very good way of um, identifying yourself as both a magician and a wanker. Ha. Um, but the working of wonders has gone out of art, and and one of the many lovely things about about Darren is that he's he wants to work wonders. He genuinely wants you to have a wonderful time at least once, and he will do it for you. Um, Can I please and say? I want to reclaim that. Not really. All this time we've been chatting, and you do magic, and you could have just been doing us some magic. No, no I read about knows, magic. No, no. So, um, but I thought for a second magic. that she might be a magician as uh, well. No, Josie, no, no. See I if just your love fob magic. watch is still in your fob pocket. Have yeah. a look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, this looks so, is it in this well, pie? The wonder that the importance of, of creating totemism as well within your own yeah. kind of world is, is something that we And difficulty. He's, you know, Dern's very good at difficulty. You know, 
there, there's there's effort and you get you know you people misunderstand when you go and see you know somebody like Eddie Izzard well it's oh he's just making sort of stuff up and shambling about on stage or indeed yourself it's like well this is all linking we've managed to fit in you know, Lisa's coming up on the podcast Lisa yeah, Dern, yeah. and then Eddie Izzard's the podcast the final one yeah. we're recording it's today about so myth there we are making isn't it well and, and that's it's dresses as well just yeah. to say I've created this persona it's to just you know think about these things and make your own decision but he also talks about difficulty and I remember judging a book prize and this woman was saying oh but that can't win because it seems so easy and it's like do you understand how difficult it is to make something seem easy and natural and also which always does that yeah it's like he's just chatting it's like it's supposed to be like he's just chatting it doesn't mean that's what's happening um but equally and particularly with with some things um there are times when you want to make sure that it seems to be difficult, and particularly with magic, obviously, if you're levitating something and you just go, bof, levitate, it's like, well, that's a bit shit. Clearly, it's a trick, because it was easy. And if you, you know, I've seen, you know, I used to do a table levitation, and there were nights when it would really fire, and when it really fired, it was because it looked as if he was really having to try to lift a table. Or this, you know... There are laws about, you know, if if if, the, if it if it's going up and down, it's probably magic. If it's going side to side, it's psychic ability. You know, there are different. Sort well, we've run out of time anyway, so we can't. So yeah. the other other books. If you want to continue this podcast, if you see A. L. Kennedy walking down the street, yeah, I'll you can go ask on about, about all Ford of Maddox these. Ford's The Good Soldier, Liz Berry's uh, Black Country, Peter Brooks' The Empty Space, or the Raymond Carver Collection uh, Fires. Uh, all totally unofficial. The autobiography of Raphael Lemkin. Which so you just those have to are the read. ones that we didn't cover, and just go up to her in the street or. Yeah. She's normally drinking and them. playing pool somewhere, and uh, you're always doing that, aren't you? A pool hustler and cockfighting. A pool hustler. Yeah, I like a bit of cockfighting, fighting, ball fighting, <laughs> pool hustling. It's ever since you got that hat from Cologne. Ah, uh, no, it's true. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Al Kennedy. Thank you, Josie Long. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much to everyone who has been supporting us. Uh, you can go and pledge. We're not expecting much. You can only do it if you've got cash, you know, obviously. Uh, but you, if you go to cosmicgenome.com slash shambles, you will find our Patreon page, and then we can keep making these things. So thank you, those who've been helping us, such as Andy Scott, Eleanor Mottram, Vic Burgess, Malcolm Franks, Adam Jones. Re- what are you doing? My sister's face told me with her baby. But you've got to read these. Oh, uh, I'll just do them. It's fine. Ridiculous. That I'm, I'm trying to read the... I'm going to have to close the door because Josie's still... Right. So I apologise to everyone there for a halfway through thank yous, but she's been FaceTimed with her sister, so that's what happens when you're young. Thank you also to Mark Stanbrook, Thomas Hale, Patrick Baker. You can hear Josie in the background probably now. Uh, Anachronism, Peter McGladdery, Michael Sheldon, Robert Hinchcliffe, Mike Grace, Dan Davis, Anya, James Hunt, James Fawkes, Richard Tingley, James Elder, Gervin Burnside and Lisa Black! Can I just explain? Well, no, we've got to we've got to let the people who record me. this. I don't care. My sister FaceTime me, and um, Do, my little niece. Um, yeah, yeah, we've got no time. We've literally got no time. Otherwise, we have to pay overtime. Jesus Christ! Right.